Hey, folks, a lot of superstition. You know, what's in your garage in the file cabinet this week? So uh, thought that would be a great song. Introduce you a little Stevie Wonder superstition. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of A Word with Bob Live in 2023. I can't believe I'm saying that. Happy New Year. We're kicking off our new season on a high note with a fantastic program for you today. And I am speaking to you from sunny Orlando, Florida, where I'm attending the uh, Florida chapter meeting tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to uh, presenting there. So thank you all. Before we get started, we have a few quick words from our uh, communications and marketing manager, Will Sweet. Will, who is producing this show, how are you doing? I'm good, Bob. Thanks. Um, yeah, all lines have been muted upon entering our program today. Please use the Q&A feature to ask any questions you may have. And this program is being recorded, and the recording will be available to view by all attendees at rbma.org slash podcast after this session of A Word with Bob Live has concluded. Thanks, Will. Um, Will does a great job making sure that I'm on the right track here producing this show. Um, he uh, also, we also want to mention, if you do have any questions of our guests, just, just uh, type them into the chat line or the Q&A line, and we'll make sure your questions get answered. Will? We always do a little sports thing here. We got we got the conference championships coming up this weekend. Chance to go to the Super Bowl. Who do you like? Um, well, based on very little knowledge, I'll go with <laughs> the, uh, the Eagles and the Bengals. Fly, Eagles, fly. All right. Um, yeah, I'm kind of partial to the Eagles from where I live. And I, so you think the Bengals. Well, I'm thinking I'd like Kansas City and, uh, you know, Andy Reid, who used to coach the Eagles, that could be kind of interesting that he's back coaching against them in the Super Bowl. So I get real emotion. It's more of an emotional thing, but it'll be a great weekend. A lot of fun uh, to watch these teams try to get to the Super Bowl. So, Will, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And um, I do have a couple of announcements to make. Um, RBMA 2023 Paradigm is right around the corner and right down the road from me. On April 2nd to 5th, we'll be at the Diplomat Beach Resort in Hollywood, Florida, and we hope you'll be joining us. I want you to reconnect with your radiology business peers while accessing a cutting-edge program with 35 dynamic sessions covering essential and timely topics, including leadership, operations, talent, and marketing strategies. That'll help develop your practice and win an increasingly competitive market. 2023 Paradigm provides the best of both worlds, business and leisure, with over 60 compelling speakers and insightful sessions covering the hottest issues in radiology today, as well as a spectacular ocean front destination in Hollywood, Florida, um, complete with luxury amenities and exhilarating recreation, business and leisure, leisure, your leisure travel experience awaits you at Paradigm. New word for me this year, leisure. Explore the full program, register, and book your room today to take advantage of discounted rates. Visit rbma.org forward slash paradigm 2023. Make sure you do that today because our rooms are filling up. So uh, you can do spring break right down in Hollywood, Florida. That'll be great. Also, don't miss, to, don't miss your chance to showcase your achievements. The call for entries is now open for the 2023 RBMA RAD Honors Awards. This is a great opportunity to showcase the ways you and your team have excelled at cutting through the noise with creative messaging that was personal, educational, and impactful to the communities you serve. Winners will be awarded at 2023 Paradigm. The deadline to submit is February 17th. So I'd, let's put that together today. Visit rbma.org forward slash RAD under slash honors to learn more and submit an entry today. Um, this is a great program. 
Uh, we have a great awards program and uh, everyone learns from each other. That's what RBMA and Paradigm is all about. So uh, put in your entry today. Um, I'm really pleased to, uh, to present uh, or to, to welcome my first guest today. Uh, Clay Countryman is one of our closing, closing speakers at Paradigm this April. Um, Clay is a partner in the healthcare group with Brazil, Saxe, and Wilson uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, Clay represents clients in all areas of the healthcare industry with a focus on healthcare business transactions, fraud and abuse compliance, healthcare provider networks, and alternative healthcare payment approaches. Uh, Clay has primarily served as legal counsel for healthcare providers, including several radiology groups. He's a frequent presenter at Paradigm, and we welcome him. Clay is going to present along with his co-presenters, Adrian Drasevic and Tammy Wolfenden, will be presenting the closing keynote at Paradigm entitled Practical Approaches to Resolve Legal and Operational Radiology Practice Issues, focusing on our theme of resolve at Paradigm. Clay, welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Bob. And uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, love listening to you already. Yeah, well, that's great. Clay's sitting there. He's got the Mississippi River, uh, the big muddy flowing behind him there in Baton Rouge. Um, what are just just as a little hors d'oeuvre here for everybody for Paradigm, some of the issues you and Adrian and Tammy will be presenting or talking about? Well, Bob, we're we're focusing our, our presentation is to help practices, you know, with with the theme to resolve uh, legal and operational issues, key issues that we see affecting radiology practices today that's affecting how they provide their services affecting their professionals and just how they operate and we're focusing on the managers to arm them with what are those legal issues and ways to resolve them so you know i would say we're focusing on the radiology service agreements what are mm -hmm. the key provisions that need to be within those what are some of the hot areas like who pays for what who pays for the universal reader the upgrade the hardware uh, the compensation approaches. We're going to talk about you know, some some of the other assets we see for our practice, and we hear from our clients, the radiologists, you know, and the other professionals that they provide services. Their their contracts, the non-compete arrangements, both upstream and downstream to the radiologist. What? How can practices protect themselves today? And that's that's a big change in market. Also, the compensation practices, what's mm. star compliant, what's anti-kickback statute compliant, and then what if you, payment issues, what if you get audited by a private payer or governmental payer, mm -hmm. or uh, what if with a, we see a lot with commercial payers, you know, are you getting paid what you should be getting paid according to your contracts and arrangements? So, mm -hmm. are, are, you, are you seeing a lot of, of uh, interesting conversations around i i know that one of the big issues in radiology right now seems like everyone is recruiting physicians so are you seeing a lot of interesting approaches to resolving contract or hiring agreements with physicians i have uh, seen a lot of approaches on when they recruit whether it's interventionalists or uh radiologists or uh, you know like a mid-level provider mm -hmm. what are the packages to recruit them get them to come to your your city if need be and not only to do that to secure them because there's there's other other providers all over the country trying to recruit the same person at the same time so what can what can they do as you know i don't want right. to call it a sweetener but right. do that arrangement and have it compliant and not have their other partners uh 
not so happy. Yeah, right. It's like the last guy in gets the best deal. Why didn't I get that deal, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. you're, you're kind of so like the cell I'm phone not provider. The last guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. it's uh, I, 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 I've heard a lot a of- That's a big uh, change in market on the recruitment. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's, it ebbs and flows, um, kind of a buyer's market now. And you know, that's, that happens over time, right? Yeah. It depends um, on where they are and then, and, and what the, the group is and the size of the group and, you know, what's their strategy going forward. Uh, I think a lot of that, that plugs into where they are and what they're, what they're doing and their contractual sure. obligations and where they want to be. You and I um, have talked over this last year. You're the chair of the American Bar Association Health Law Section. What what are some of the kind of emerging issues that our administrators, managers, members need to be kind of be aware out that you're aware of that you're seeing out there in, in legal issues in healthcare? I would say it's really the, the payment issues um, and the, the the hot legal issues that. Are, are affecting them? Are they uh, non non competes and you know the the purchase of practices and the consolidation has been uh, has caused lots of issues. So mm -hmm. you, you may not be bought by a national radiology group, but you may merge with other groups and trying to cover different areas and services um, and and those types of arrangements. It's, it's gotten very competitive, I think, to keep radiology service agreements. Which has caused really pushing the envelope on some of the star quality and the kickback issues mm -hmm. uh, out there. Just, I see those very hot. Um, one of the um, challenging issues, I think, for administrator, or physician practice administrator, is is uh, not convincing yourself that you can resolve a tough legal issue or knowing that line between you go from kind of resolving administrative issue to all of a sudden it's like, you know, I need, I need to get the, the right lawyer here. What's your advice and why should an administrator after many years say, Oh, I can handle that. I've done a lot of these. What, wh where's that line? Do you think as an attorney, and, and obviously you, you want to re recruit clients, but where is that general line that right. somebody say, you know, this is beyond my, my realm of world. Yeah, it, it, it's hard to say. I encourage people to have a relationship with an attorney where the man, the administrator can handle issues that are evolving, but be careful when, if you see a lot of legal potential exposure or things that could happen there, uh, I think it's good to maybe have your attorney in your ear to kind of update them and they could say, well, this is where this is headed. So there, there's a line to where, um, and, and it's hard to say, but I, I like to see administrators initially handle things and keep it in the business discussions. But once you get to the point of threatened to terminating or people are using legal positions to say, we can't do this arrangement, I, definitely I would um, consult legal counsel that's going to give you practical advice. And mm -hmm. not just you know a whole treatise on that situation. So it's hard to say, but it's, I think it's always good to have legal counsel in your ear because they can say, well, this is what they're positioning, what they're trying to do, at least what they think. And I know in my experience managing a practice, I know I would always count on our legal counsel whenever, especially with shareholder conversations and discussions. 
you know, going to our legal counsel saying, could you write a memo on this? Because that's really going to go a long way towards uh, yeah. resolving you something. Keep in your file. Right. Yeah. You have a record of, uh, of what you did and why you did. And I think yeah. a lot of people need to keep in mind who, you know, if there's attorneys involved, who, who do they represent and whose interests are there? And, you know, the, the administrator is always there for the practice um, and to keep themselves good in the legal world. But um, right. It's, it's you, well, now let, let's go back world. to recruitment. Maybe we'll wrap this up. But um, are you finding uh, new physicians or physicians you're trying to recruit are using legal counsel more in terms of their negotiations with the practice or is it mixed? I think it's mixed on on, on new um, radiologists uh, when they come out of their residency programs that are, are using attorneys. So um, I, I, I think it's mixed. There's yeah. maybe tend to be more using attorneys, um, but they definitely have a lot of consultants and otherwise who are mm. kind of pushing the type of arrangements. And mm-hmm. uh, so that's where it gets to how much you want to do with that versus make sure it's legal. Sure. Well, uh, Clay, this has been great. A little hors d'oeuvre here for our members, so to speak, uh, before yeah. they get to the big meal at Paradigm. Um, you've been a great supporter of RBMA and, and our educational efforts and, and just wanted to express our appreciation for that. Look forward to collaborating on this uh, presentation on, on wow. the theme resolving, resolving issues. Yeah. So. Well, we look forward to it and appreciate the opportunities with I and with Ad with the RBMA and we want to make this uh, presentation as informative, fun, and useful, and flexible to take questions throughout, even prior to the conference, if you feel any issues you oh, sure. want us or questions to put into our presentation. So thank you. That's great. A great idea, Clay. So, And I would encourage our members that are listening to go on to our RBMA Connect forum, type in legal questions there, for you know, and, and we'll feed them to Clay and his, and his colleagues and uh, have a really good conversation at Paradigm. So, well, thank you. Thank you, Clay. Appreciate the few minutes to today. Sure. And remind everyone again to go on to rbma.org forward slash paradigm 2023 and register. And uh, Clay and other great speakers will be there and, and uh, should be a great week. Thank you. Thanks, Clay. All right. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Take care. We'll see you soon. Our uh, My next guest today. Uh, is one familiar face and uh, a a new guest. So uh, I want to introduce uh, Tom Dickerson. Uh, Tom is an old friend. Tom spent 30 years in the healthcare industry, and many of you know him. Uh, For 21 years, he managed a large medical practice, a CEO, radiology practice in central uh, Illinois. In 2018, Tom stepped away from healthcare administration to open a financial services practice with his business partner, Andrew Cashman. They provided financial planning, insurance, and investment planning, uh, and served private and business clients throughout the U.S. Tom holds a doctorate in education from Creighton University and spent many years serving RBMA. He was a great volunteer. He served as our president uh, and uh, also served uh, a reminder that he served as chair of the uh, search committee when I was hired uh, six years ago. So thank you, Tom, for that. Um, Andrew Cashman spent 12 years as a private practice corporate attorney specializing in corporate tax law. After leaving his law practice, he spent the last seven years in the financial services domain, focusing on investments, tax planning, and insurance planning. Andrew received his uh, law degree from the University of Kansas and his master's in taxation from Georgetown University. Andrew and Tom have operated Cashman Dickerson Financial Planning for the past 
three years. So Tom and Andrew, uh, welcome to A Word with Bob Live. How you doing, Bob? Nice to uh, see you. Doing, doing great. Um, Tom, it's good to see you. And I'm sitting here thinking about uh, the interview I had virtually with the RBMA board back in the early days of Zoom when nobody could figure out how to work it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That yeah. was Seems quite like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Quite an experience. And now we do all this kind of semi-sophisticated Zooming. So I appreciate it. So thank you for joining us today. Sure. So uh, today we wanted to talk about uh, the SECURE Act 2.0. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading about uh, the act that Congress passed um, as part of the omnibus budget package uh, in December of this year or last year. And uh, a lot of changes in uh, retirement planning, long-term planning. And I know that's um, of real value to our members as they are involved with the practice, uh, physician practice pension plans, as well as the pension plans for all of their administrative employees as well. So uh, kind of high income earners and kind of medium income earners, but they're all important in terms of uh, getting people to save. So um, Tom, you and I had some conversations around COVID and retirement and how that has changed everything over the last few years with folks. Yeah, I think what we've seen, you know, Bob, uh, is, you know, COVID caused all sorts of uh, uh, social uh, uh, decisional changes uh, for uh, for us as far as many things go. Mm -hmm. And we went through a period of time where uh, because of COVID, uh, people sort of were into forced savings. They, uh, they may have had money set aside for, uh, for a trip or an adventure or travel or uh, potentially even having something built. And uh, mm -hmm. because of COVID, they were unable to either get those projects done or they were uh, unable to go on those trips because we were all sort of uh, hunkered down. Mm -hmm. then, then along came, uh, you know, the, the PPE money and, and, and the monies that were available out there for uh, both for businesses and for individuals. And uh, people began to spend, they, be, they began to find ways to spend it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure Amazon, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to guess that mail order uh, services like Amazon and Walmart and Target and others probably benefited greatly from, um, from the impact of COVID as well, because that's how people spent their money. Well, we, uh, Tom, your family was in the auto business and you can't, you know, for a while there, you can't find a car, right? Huh? Yeah. Well, it, interestingly enough, Andrew and I sort of have this in common. We 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 uh, we, we have sort of a dueling uh, uh, vehicles. Uh, I have a uh, you know a, a, a green uh, uh, Jeep Wrangler that I ordered and had <laughs> uh -huh. some problem getting. Uh, and uh, I'll let Andrew tell the the story about his. But uh, he ordered one of the new Ford Broncos. Oh, okay, sure. Went through some issues there, but uh, still amazing to me how difficult it is to find a new car uh, if you want something specific, uh, you know, just because of the uh, the lack of ability of people to get parts. Yeah, I was, I was interested. This is a real side story, but I've, I've said I've been in Florida for a couple of weeks in between two RBMA conferences and uh, talking to a friend who uh, was in Naples and got there, there during the hurricane had 
you know, water damage. And uh, their car had water up maybe to the middle of the wheels, but the insurance company just totally, they totaled it. And uh, they offered them more money than the blue book price. And obviously it's because used cars are, are gaining a lot, of, getting a lot of money these days. So uh, with your experience in the auto industry, I'm sure that's uh, very interesting to you uh, with your family experience in the car dealership. Uh, so, so Andrew, let's get back. Um, it, it When I read the provisions of the Secures Act and some of the articles, it looks like um, Congress's intent is always to um, get more employees to save more money over time. Is that pretty much the goal of these things? Yeah, I mean, I would say that that's the goal of 401ks and IRAs to begin with. But then, yeah, these newer provisions, Secure Act, Secure Act one and now Secure Act Two are are uh, trying to find ways with the help actually of financial advisors, which is usually a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, not just the government trying to to do it on, on their end, um, not knowing some of the things that the clients actually want and employees actually need. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so there's things that are helping clients save money. Actually, there's new provisions, especially I would say for the lower income people um but there's actually new provisions that allow them to actually have a savings account that's attached to the 401k which is to help people oh, yeah. not have to then dip into their actual 401k money to you know pay a you know a, a, a auto expense or something like that you know yeah. one smaller fee that, that they see people do so i saw that uh in some of our notes um so an employer can is it is it a separate savings account or is it just a, an opportunity for, in an emergency situation to pull out or is it a separate account? Yeah, it's actually separate, but attached in essence to the 401k, but it'll actually be a separate account that's all cash. And then mm -hmm. they can pull out, they can save up to 2,500 into it and then pull it out anytime and replenish it. Um, and and then it's just treated like if they were to leave or if they retire or whatever, then it's treated like a Roth. That you, you can move it into the Roth at that point. Oh, so that's really interesting. Um, do you find that benefits some of the lower lower income employees? As a put, I mean, I always felt like the physicians have plenty of kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, emergency money, but this obviously benefits some of the lower income employees, right? We certainly see a lot of physicians that want to have a lot of cash, and you know, we, that's an emotional thing. So we usually sort mm -hmm. of let them have at least a certain amount of cash that makes them feel safe and, and feel secure. That's something they'd be able to cover an expense um, if something came up. But yeah, so it's mostly for the, the low. I mean, $2,500 is not going to probably cover most physicians, you know, uh, yeah. emergency expense. But, uh, right. but I mean, yes. Many part of the difficulty with lower wage earners, uh, you know, oftentimes you have two families who are working. Maybe they're school teachers. Maybe they're uh, right. working healthcare industry, but the difficulty is that they often don't have emergency savings because right. they're basically spending out everything they make. And although $2,500 might not seem like a lot, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a refrigerator replacement can be a bit of a catastrophe. And yeah. today's credit card rates, if they've got to go out and slap that on a credit card for, you know, 20 plus percent interest, it's just a spiraling uh uh, effect when you when you can't seem to pay down those uh, those sort of big uh, one time or emergent expenditures. It would uh, and and so let's say someone has to pull that out for an emergency. Um, 
were those savings put in there pre-tax like a 401k or is that just a savings account that the employer or the employee could fund post-tax? It's actually post-tax. Yeah. It's post-tax okay. money. Like, like it's, it's, it's very similar to the Roth, except it's just not invested. And there's no, you know, there's no issue at all without, uh, about putting money in and taking it out. You can pull it. The employers have to allow for up to at least four withdrawals annually without any penalties. Oh, know? okay. So the, so the savings account is actually in the employee's name. Yes. Yeah. And it, it that would seem like something that's a real, you know, if you're having trouble attracting employees, that's a kind of a nice benefit. You just budget it in and, you know, we'll, we'll fund up to a certain amount, correct? Well, it's a nice benefit to, you know, to, you know, if you think about just a standard savings account and, uh, you know, not having the ability to have that in a vehicle mm -hmm. like a Roth. So if you right. don't need it and and that money is then treated as as a Roth as far as uh, the tax is concerned, it's never going to be taxed again. So, right. uh, so it's really a good tool uh, yeah. to have there, I think. That's really nice. Let's go back to um, one of the big provisions of the Secures Act 2.0 is this whole concept of auto enrollment. Um, you talk a little bit about auto enrollment in terms of uh, what that means for an employer. Well, I'll just say this from the standpoint of running a practice, you know, mm -hmm. I think for, you know, there's not as probably not as many small group practices out there anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this would have been more impactful for the groups of you know, three or four uh, physicians covering, you know, maybe a small hospital or something. So I don't know how much of a negative play this will have. Uh, I'm going to guess that the majority of practices are going to be bigger than 10. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the question is, is how many staff do they employ and are how much are they uh, going out in the marketplace and, and purchasing whatever administrative services they need through uh, through consultants or vendors, uh, mm -hmm. those types of things. So uh, certainly it's going to force uh, those employers to develop these uh, 401k opportunities uh, for their employees. And uh, and certainly, um, you know, that's going to have some impact for sure. Um, yeah. But I'm going to guess that most of the bigger practices already have these 401ks in place. And so mm -hmm. the changes may have, you know, less effect. I don't know what Andrew yeah. might think about that, but. And it's just, it's for new, uh, new plans, but, but it's like what you said before, these, these rules are mostly trying to get people to save uh, automatically is what this provision is specifically, but, but not just automatically, but um, consistently. And then this provision actually requires the, uh, the, automatic contribution to go from 3% the first year and then raise 1% each year until it gets to 10%. And then you can actually have it all the way up to 15% if you want, but it's got to be up to 10%. And um, the employee, of course, then doesn't have to save that much. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the auto enrollment and they have to elect to get to get out of it. And so, you know, it's just, it's a good yeah. uh, mindset for somebody to, to get in the habit of saving, as we all know, but um, right away right. when I start. Yeah, so in in terms of uh and maybe you don't know this but um in terms of kind of national benchmarking about how what percentage of employees kind of participate in a 401k savings plan uh nationally yeah. you know well, okay so i've i've heard these numbers and so i don't want to necessarily 
throw it out as though I know the exact numbers, but yeah, we started these automatic enrollments like five years ago, six years ago, something like that. And and when they did that, it's because they found that it was like 50% participation. Oh, and okay. now the auto enrollment has really increased it. And now I think it's like 75%, something like that. 70 or 75%. It's definitely increased it um fairly significantly. You know? Oh wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. Um let's talk about a little bit about um also, there's a provision on student. I'm I'm thinking about things that would attract employees, but and and, and provisions that are probably helpful to millennials and Generation Xers are this whole student loan repayment matching that you talked about. Um, talk a little bit about that and and how a practice could use that in terms of retaining or attracting younger employees. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Um, so it is that. So, you know, of course, doctors and, and all and a lot of at least younger people have student loans. And so if you have student loans and, and you're like wanting to focus on paying those back, um, but want to get your matching, what you can do now under this provision, which I, I think it doesn't, it's not effective until 24, 25. But um, mm -hmm. once it's effective, then you can get your matching credit essentially for repaying student loans. So if you repay $5,000 of student loans in the year and you would have been eligible for up for $5,000 of a match in your 401k had you put money into the 401k you don't actually have to put it in the 401k you can just pay the the student loans back and still get okay. that match to your 401k oh that's really interesting so yeah go ahead tom we're going yeah, to i mean yeah. potentially i think this could have a real positive impact on on the whole recruit recruitment model yeah i mean you know from being in, in practice bob uh you know, many, many people, you know, are uh, not fortunate enough to come into practices debt free. And mm -hmm. in some instances, people are going to have, you know, two, three hundred thousand dollars of debt at a time when they may not be making as much money. And they also are beginning to invest in their families and purchasing mm -hmm. a house and all these kinds mm -hmm. of things. So uh, the impacts of these student loans are a burden that, uh that employers essentially um, uh, inherit. And mm -hmm. so, you know, as we all are trying to recruit people in a very competitive market, uh, it's going to be one of those things I think that practices can embrace and figure out how can we utilize this in a fashion right. that really people and attract them and help them with the student debt so they can get out from under it uh, in a more effective way. So I, I, I think yeah. it has potential. That, that's really interesting. I, I'm thinking in terms of my experience, um, I got my master's in healthcare administration through at the time through the practice who, you know, they paid the tuition and my payback was to stay there at least three years, which was fine. Uh, and I know some organizations do that, but this would actually, um, if, if a practice then paid back a student loan up to five, is it $5,000 a year or $5,000 total? No, I threw out the five thousand yeah. um, dollars. It is just a match. So whatever they they would wait. Um, let me make sure that's right. But it's a uh, yeah. It's there's no cap. So whatever they would have been eligible for on the okay. match is what it is. Yeah. You know. So usually the match is between three and sometimes as high as seven. Yeah. Okay. Whatever that is, and so um, they don't lose out on the match. And, and what I was going to add is that like so a lot of times when people come to us, they're asking whether they where they should be put, especially, you know, younger people, they're, they're mm -hmm. asking where they should be focusing on between debt repayment, saving for the future, 
um, immediate retirement or whatever. Um, and then also saving for the rainy day fund. And so these provisions, provisions that we just talked about allow you to kind of do, we, and our answer is usually what we like to see you start to do everything rather than focus on one yeah. and then the other. You really should get started. Maybe you have a little bit of a focus on one or the other, but, but make sure you're doing all three at the same time. Um, but these provisions kind of allow that to happen so they can pay off student loans, get their match, which should be a good at least start to have right. retirement saving, paying off debt. And then if you have that savings plan that's attached to the 401k, you know, you can have your rainy day fund saved. Oh, that, well. that's really interesting. Yeah. And Andrew, from a legal perspective, uh, I know the maintenance of plan documents is a kind of a thing that nobody yeah. pays much attention to except for the attorney's. Uh, is this something, is this a, uh, do all the plan documents have to change now yeah. because of all these provisions? Yeah. So that one we just talked about, the student loans is effective in 2024. And mm -hmm. so most of these provisions that are going to require changes to the dot plan documents are effective either next year, 2024, or even 2025. And so it mm -hmm. gives, gives everybody a little bit of time to to react and make sure it's done right in a, in a reasonable yeah. way. But really, that's a very, to me, a very interesting provision. And Tom, you know, you and I both know attracting not only physicians, but young leaders to practices is important. And, you know, it, well, it's, it is. It's and, and we just see this debt as being, a, you know, as being an overwhelming burden for people, yeah. not not only in the medical profession, but, you know, attorneys and and other uh, you know, other positions where people, uh, you know, just weren't fortunate enough to have their, you right. know, have their tuition paid. Uh, yeah. You know, front. Right. Yeah. And, and that is a permitted provision. So employers don't have to do it. So like you're saying, recruiting right. purposes, you can say, hey, we have, we we match your student loan repayments into yeah. the portal. Okay. I, mean, I, I do think that would be, at least it would sound interesting. And the essence of it may not be quite as good because of the limitations on what the match would be. But still, I think that it's it's an interesting thing that I would think people would be attracted well, to. Well, I, I think so too. I mean, I um, I have kids who had some student loans, you know, we put together a way for them to all get great degrees. And uh, fortunately, most of it's paid off. But I, I could see your, your son or daughter coming to you, dad, I'm looking at this job and they're offering this provision. And what do you think of that? I mean, that's a real positive thing when yeah. when all else is equal those are interesting ways for our administrators to take something away today well and you mentioned you know a uh, uh, payback through uh through service yeah and, you know that's been a common you know practice uh, at least it wasn't our practice that i was a yeah. part of uh and and a good tool but i yes. think you could you could utilize that tool in conjunction with this tool Yes. Uh, to, to again to affect that student debt uh, in a in a you know in a, in a faster way. Right. Uh, to get that sort of off the books because yeah, uh, uh, it, it it is a burden for sure that people are are certainly thinking about. But but I have found Tom and one of the the interesting things to me about physician practices and and you said this you know they're getting larger etc. However there's still kind of homespun businesses in many parts of the country. And there's ways to do this that are really very interesting. And Congress has provided another way here. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, you know, bringing these things as a practice manager, I think, uh, you know, it really behooves you to, to, you know, 
not only what you get from the podcast today, but I hope what it does is this perks your interest as a practice manager mm -hmm. to really go online and, and look at these social security changes that are out there, look at the Secure Act 2.0, and, mm -hmm. and be really familiar with these, because I think as a practice manager, you want to make sure that you can bring these types of things to the attention of the practice to, yeah. to make sure that which ones might apply. And right. Your, your 401k provider may or may not actually be letting you know of these things. So um, I mean, hopefully they will be, but they may not. So learning a little bit that you can ask questions and see if it makes sense for, for your practice is good. So um, one more kind of question about putting money into the account before we start talking about taking out. Um, you, it it uh, Under the Secures 2.0 talks about um, catch-up contributions must be Roth beginning in 2024. Talk a little bit about that. What does that mean? for a practice? Well, uh, I'll, I'll let Andrew uh, maybe talk about the specifics. Yeah. I would just say, generally speaking, anytime you have the opportunity to utilize the tax rules through a Roth contribution as opposed to uh, a qualified uh, contribution through an IRA or through 401k, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's benefit. And, mm -hmm. you know, when we're talking to our clients, you know, we're, we're always all about tax and, mm -hmm. and what is retirement going to look like? And oftentimes the, the, uh, the, uh, the falsehood out there, I think is look, you know, and, and we even see this in, in larger wage earners as well. You know, mm -hmm. look, I've got $5 million sitting here in my 401k plan, man, it looks really good. That was my number. You know, that was my mm -hmm. number. It's like, well, you know, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Client, you know, that's great. You did a good job of saving, but the reality of that is it's not 5 million. The reality mm -hmm. of that is it's 5 million minus all the tax you're going right. to have to owe. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, one of the, one of the strengths that we have in our practice here is, you know, Andrew, uh, spent, uh, a year getting a tax masters and has done that for years. So Andrew's always, you know, always baffles my mind how somebody could actually, you know, like tax, but uh, <laughs> Andrew doesn't like tax, but he likes to talk about tax and he likes to figure out tax problems. So yeah. I don't know, your thoughts on, uh, on, uh, on the, uh, the Roth. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when we do a financial plan, um, you know, you show the number projecting what they're going to pay in taxes and it's a huge number, right? Uh -huh. um, right. Five million at retirement, like a number that big whatever it might be, um, you know, you might be in, you're going to be in the 30 something percent tax bracket, probably even in retirement. And when you project that for 20 or 25 or 30 years, it's a huge number. It's a big number. So the government is definitely your partner in uh, your 401k. So getting back to the provision. So this says that the mat, the uh, catch up provision, catch up contributions have to be actually Roth and um, mm -hmm. so they're taxable. That's the bad thing. That means that that money is actually going to be taxed in the current year. But it also means the good thing is they'll never be taxed again. And so, again, um, a little bit of hedging, kind of like what we say when the, when the client asks us where they should be focusing, especially early on um, with this one, you know, having some non-qualified where you have a tax partner, um, mm -hmm. the IRS, you know, that's good because having some taxable income in retirement is not necessarily bad. You don't want to have it all. 
If you're mm -hmm. if you're high earner and you're paying the highest tax rate now, you don't want to pay tax on everything now. But but having some Roth money as well as the pre-tax money is always a good thing. So this helps kind of even it out. Okay. Yeah. And and before I go any far, I need to ask, um, what what are the max um what 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 are the max contributions right now? I knew at, at you know, I've kind of lost track. I knew it was I don't know, 37, five. What, what is it now for, uh, for, it folks? was, it was 50. Well, so the, um, the, the individual contributions was 21,000 last year. Uh -huh. I um, I should have that in front of me, but, um, I believe it went, it went up a lot, like 23, five, I, you know, everything went up this year because of the inflation a lot. Yes. More than normal. Oh, um, right. Yeah. So it was a high, cause it's always tied to inflation. How much how much those those amounts go up? Okay, and, um, yeah. I believe it went up to like twenty three thousand or something. Yeah. Like that. Okay. But good. But it definitely went up more than most years. And then the total contribution the, between the employer and the employee was fifty eight thousand, and also went up into the sixties. Okay. Know. Wow. Yeah, that's. Gone. Yeah. I've lost track of that. And yeah. and Tom, your experience. Uh, I mean, my experience was in our practice all the physicians had to contribute the max. It was just, it was kind of an unwritten rule. Do you see that in other practices as well? Is, and is that your recommendation that they do that? I mean, yeah. I mean, in I, I'd say in most situations, you know, we're going to recommend that, you know, somebody at minimum, make sure that they contribute to whatever it takes to get to the match. Sure. And, and, and as an aside, for uh -huh. lower wage earners, that is a very common uh, practical error that that many are making. Oh, okay. Uh, we have client after client, and even healthcare clients. I I had a nurse not too long ago who came in and and we're discussing the match, and you know they log into their account at their healthcare uh, employer and and find out that they've worked for the last four years and didn't take advantage of the match. Oh yeah. So we calculated all this free money that would have been out there for this individual. And right. so you definitely want to make sure on the minimum that you're contributing enough to make that match. But yeah. certainly if you're situated, uh, and, and you can do so to, to max that out first, pay yourself first. Um, I say that almost in every situation, but because, as Andrew said, when when you have mitigating debt, when you have other obligations and maybe child support, maybe other things, there might be a reason why you, you know, you can't max it, you know, for a year or two or whatever of your first, you know, your initial employment. Sure. But for sure. the most part. And know. then also late in uh, your working years, if you're 401k, 403b, IRA, whatever, has gotten mm -hmm. so big that you have this huge tax burden. Um, then it might be time to just actually put in some money in a in a normal non-qualified investment account. Right. So you don't you don't continue to build that that pre-tax money. So let's talk about taking money out. And uh, that was a real revelation to me in my 25 years managing practice. That, that some of the uh, physicians that hired me worked through what I call the 20 the 20 glorious years in radiology, where you could bill and collect anything. They put a lot of money away. And they were, you know, 59, 60 years old. And their challenge was, how do you, it was like, oh, maybe we put too much money away. You know, how do we take this out? All of, and I, Tom, I don't know if you had the same experience. All of a sudden, the light bulb went, it's like, these folks have a tax challenge taking it out, you know? So it was well, kind of an interesting 
revelation for me back then. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I think oftentimes, uh, you know, very smart people mm-hmm. uh, uh, have the misconception that, you know, that applies to all areas of their life. Right. Uh, and sometimes <laughs> we have to just step back and say, yeah, I'm really bright and I'm really right. good at these things. But there's some things that I either don't have time to to right. stay up on or I just uh, it's just not within my, uh, you know, yeah. within, in, in my duffel bag, so to speak. Uh, right. So I think oftentimes there is a lack of tax, estate planning, uh, retirement strategies that are actually done early on in their in their life, right. especially at the times when uh, when they're they're earning as much or more money than they're ever going to earn. Right, and those are really the times when they really need to be looking at uh, financial planning. And I'm not mm-hmm. just saying that because that's, you know, that's the that's the business uh, side of it. But sure, true, the benefit uh, to being able to uh, put those things in place and then have them capitalized over a lifetime of earnings. Yeah, uh, you'll get to that spot you're talking about in their, you know, maybe late 50s when mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, I'm thinking about retiring now. Um, and how am I going to manage all this future tax? How am right. I going to? start withdrawing money, maybe I want mm-hmm. to buy a second house, all mm-hmm. these kinds of things I think are, uh, are critical. And, yeah. uh, and, you know, these RMDs that, you know, we're talking about here today as a part, yeah. you know, as part of the act, um, you know, my general opinion is, is that, you know, the longer, you know, we, the government allows us to have before we have to start making these withdrawals. That's, mm-hmm. that's usually a good thing, you know, I don't know. And those are uh, required minimum distributions, RMDs, yes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, in our practice, I would say that, you know, there's, there's a number of people who don't fully understand the RMDs and that actually there's a point in time when the government's going to say to you, you got to start taking money out. And, right. Uh, Right. Uh, and, and then that becomes, uh, OK, now what am I going to do? And, right. and one of the things and, and, you know, Andrew is somewhat expert in, in this because we've, we've done a lot of it in, in our practice, and that is Roth conversions. Yeah. And especially for higher wage earners to be able to begin the process at some point, at some point uh, uh, where we believe our tax uh, our, our tax burden is going to be the lowest or lower than it's going right. to be in the future. We, we start to move some of this, this money that we're going to have to pay tax on into a Roth vehicle that'll never be taxed again. Yeah. Yeah, Andrew. Yeah. You might want to f- go into a little more detail on that and some of the specifics. So the best time to do those Roth conversions is between retirement and when your required minimum distributions start. Mm-hmm. So the RMDs are, of course, the IRS's way of saying, if you're going to save it, we're going to give you the tax benefit of deferring the tax on that money. You, we're going to make you take it out. So they, they used to make you take it out starting at age, when you turn the year you turn 70 and a half. And okay. then it was the, the Secure Act 1 made it 72, the year you turn 72. And then now... The new Secure Act makes it 73 for people born um, that would have turned 72 this year, uh-huh. uh, and then uh, all the way up 
So anybody that was born between 1950 and 1959 has 73 uh, RMD year. And then everybody born in 1960 or later is now 75. 75. So the big planning opportunity from that, that sounds good, or maybe it doesn't even mean much to a lot of people, but but right. the very key planning opportunity that, that comes from that is that, again, the best time to do Roth conversions is between retirement, which might be mid to early 60s until... Mm -hmm have your rmds you used to have five-year period or so right. now then it was maybe seven now it's all the way up to so maybe 10 years and oh okay so you take some of your 401k ira 403b money and convert it to Roth when you have little to no income during those years because you're not uh -huh. working anymore. um and you may not be taking social security even yet um and you can convert it at very low tax rates um, you know, and we'll usually fill all the way up to the 22 or 24% tax bracket. Um, and tax rates are low right now. They may go up in general, but plus if you can get that, that money taxed at a low rate when you're going to be in a higher, uh, tax bracket, once you start taking your RMDs, um, you can get it. And then, and then it's, it's uh, tax free for the rest of your life. And plus 10 years, um, that your heirs can actually leave it in there and, and not take it out. And, and let it continue to grow tax-free. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, my goal with my heirs is that I get it down to like zero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I asked my financial planner, I said, so, you know, all these Monte Carlo, you know, things we're trying to figure out, you know, all these different uh, uh, plans and what ifs. And I said, so if I live till I'm 95, how much will I have left in there? And it was like a big number. <laughs> Why am I not spending that? You know? yeah. But I, well, but I know there has to be a things, safety net. Huh? One of the things I say to a lot of our the people that come to us is that uh, one of the hardest things for a lot of people to do is to start spending the money they've saved. They've been good savers yeah. for whatever reason, um, whether it was a you know something that was ingrained in them when they were young or else they just wanted to, whatever it was, but then they can't turn it on. And we're like, you, you, like look at these numbers you're going to have way more than you need. So yeah, you know, either give it away or, you know, sure. take your kids on trips or find yeah. ways to put it in a, in a way that makes you happy, not just blowing well, it. Well, you know, and I found it interesting, you know, one of the things you had we uh, listed was the uh, penalty-free uh, distributions for long-term care insurance premium. I find that to be really interesting, encouraging people to buy long-term care insurance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think the other piece that people uh, often, you know, are unaware of is utilizing the RMD for uh, for charitable contributions. Oh, okay. So uh -huh. You could set up, you know, you could set up if you ordinarily gave money, let's say, as an example, to your church or or right. uh, or a charitable entity like a college or whatever. You could set that up in a way so that money would go directly uh, from you to them without without the tax. Oh, I see. So you could set up like an annual contribution kind of thing, Tom. Would that that make sense? Right. Oh, wow. That's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. One reason, one yeah, reason ahead, that's Andrew. helpful is because now the uh, the standard uh, deduction is so high; it's like twenty five thousand for couples, right? And even more twenty six thousand. So if you don't give away twenty six thousand or have twenty six thousand in mortgage uh, interest. Um, you don't get that you don't get that deduction so then if you give away money to charities you don't actually benefit at all up to that 26,000 but this oh, way I see. you still get the deduction because it never counts as income it just it, you pull it out and it goes straight to the charity and so and also um some things are based on your 
your income level like your Medicare payments. And so it doesn't count as income for Medicare, so you can save on the on the Medicare premiums as well. So, oh, really interesting. So um, talk a little bit about 529 rollovers. You know, the 529 plans are really a college saving plans for your kids or your grandkids. Explain yeah. a bit, a little bit about the Secures Act and how that's perhaps changed that opportunity. We jumped over the long-term care insurance. Oh, um, yeah, go ahead. You asked the question, but um, so I'll tell you what it is. So that's 20, up to yeah. $2,500 per year to pay for long-term care insurance. Um, you can pull out- That pays your, about one quarter. Yeah, it doesn't pay at all, I know. But <laughs> yeah, it doesn't pay at all. But... Of, your, of your 401k, uh, penalty-free, even before age 59 and a half, um, it's still taxable. Oh, it's so still taxable, okay. Yeah. yeah. But um, so then to your, your recent question. Um, so some people with 529s, they're hesitant to put money into 529s, no, not knowing if their kids are going to get, um, you know, they might get uh, scholarships or, you know, they may not go to college or they may go to cheaper college, more expensive mm -hmm. college, you don't know how much to put away. And so the new SECURE Act um, allows for beneficiaries to convert 529s into Roth accounts. So if oh. you overfund those 529s, you can think of it as a way of, you know, starting your kids retirement funding. Um, oh, I see. They don't spend it. It might even be a way to be like, hey, if you get scholarships, then you can have this money. You know, oh, okay. Your retirement. Um, so we're going through there right now. We have a kid starting college right now. And we're really trying to get him to do whatever he can to get scholarships. Right. Um, but, you know, so, but we do have 529s. And so, you know, he might be like, well, it doesn't matter to me because you're going to use the 529s. But yeah, we're trying to get him, hey, you know, the more you use, uh, or the more you get from scholarships, um, you know, we'll at least give you some of that money. I don't know. So the 529 that could be converted to the Roth in a beneficiary's yeah. name, yeah. so to speak. So it's forever tax free. If you put it in the 529, it's yeah. tax free, even if they don't use it for tuition. Oh, that's really I, interesting. I think I, yeah. I, I think I want a little bit more guarantee on what I'm getting back from you, Andrew. Uh, <laughs> it sounds yeah. a little loosey-goosey. Yeah. What, well, what is loosey-goosey? <laughs> first one to go to college. So we're gonna try yeah, I, got the, I got the trust yeah. fund over and, here. And getting the uh, sticker shock of how much it's actually going to cost. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and I wanted to ask you also about, um, well, it sounds to me like some some members of Congress that live on the coast or in the hurricane areas, this this disaster relief fund, you could pull out up to $22,000 for disaster uh, funding. And that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, COVID caused us to do all sorts of yeah. things money that, you know, I'll just sort of leave it at that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. Mean, so it's, you know, for those who are, you know, impacted by those devastating things. And yeah. again, not set up to have the emergency monies to, to live or, or right. to replace things, then, you know, again, it's an opportunity to be able to utilize, um, to utilize those, those funds, or at least a small right. amount. So, That's great. So, I mean, the, the long and short people say, you know, what do you, what's your point, Bob? I mean, the point, uh, Tom and Andrew is, uh, these are detailed things. You should seek professional consultation when planning for this with your physicians or your or your employees. Yeah, I mean, you know, oftentimes we see people seeking financial planning later than they should have. Right. Uh, and uh, 
you know, I wish more people had these sort of introductory conversations about things. And, and, and I think it's human nature. You know, people think, well, I'm just starting out. I don't have much money. And uh, really, financial planning is really to put those tools and and put that education and that knowledge in 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 your uh, in your head so that you can make really good decisions that can be compounded over time. Right. Uh, I wanted to say one thing, Bob, about Social Security. Uh, yeah. You know, when it comes to physician practices, I'm going to roll back to you know we're always all about tax when we're looking at these things. And the one mm-hmm. thing uh, on the uh, that will impact practices somewhat is that that maximal tax taxable earnings is going from 147,000 to a little over 160,000. So there's going oh. to be additional tax paid on that first, you know, $160,000, yeah. you know, that's yeah. uh, there. So and is uh, that for this year, Tom, or is that for 20 starting? It's 2023. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, certainly I want to, Talk to your tax accountant about that, right? And the, the yeah. effect on the practice. I think overall financial planning, you know, is more than just investments. Uh, yeah. It, it's really, uh, you know, how can you really situate yourself in life to maximize, to keep as much as your heart, you know, heart, you know, your back is earning for you throughout the years, mm-hmm. uh, pay an appropriate amount of tax, but no more than you have to. Uh, and utilize these tools that are out there, uh, you know, as you go, but. Uh, sure, sure. Great. Andrew, any, any final words today? Um, I would say, you know, regarding the SECURE Act, um, like you said, there's 92 provisions in there. A lot of them probably will mean nothing to uh, your audience, but uh, probably 20 to 30 of them will. And so figuring out what those are and then really making sure that that you're starting to take steps um, to implement those in a way that that will help your uh, employees and your doctors and will help you recruit people. Like we great. About. Well, that's great. Well, Tom, great to see you and talk with you again. Hope your family's doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Yeah, and Andrew, nice to meet you and uh, appreciate you being uh, part of the Award with Bob gang here today. Right. Yeah, we enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, we will uh, continue to plan for our futures and hopefully there are long futures, huh? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. A few, uh, few items before we wrap up here today. We'd like to share some reminders with you before we sign off. First, the RBMA call for volunteers closes this week. Tomorrow, January 27th, is the final day to apply to serve on an RBMA committee in 23-24. Please take a moment to consider the opportunities available, share with colleagues, and apply today. And big or small, we need volunteers. So visit uh, bit.ly forward slash vol underscore 2023 to submit a volunteer application. We're excited to announce the release of the 2023 AR survey, accounts receivable survey. The survey will collect fiscal year 2022 data and will be open through February 15th. This is a benchmarking survey and a real keystone of RBMA. So please plan to submit your data and attend the AR survey session at 2023 Paradigm. Remember, each group that takes the survey receives a complimentary copy of the results. So you should have received the survey via email from RBMA but please don't hesitate to contact us if you need assistance. And as a reminder, 
If you have an outsourced billing, please pass it on to your billing service provider and ask them to complete the survey for you. Are you or someone you know, an RBMA member who has never attended Paradigm? Apply for the Bob Luther Emerging Leader Tra Travel Scholarship today. Uh, Bob Luther was an honored uh, past president of RBMA. If selected, you'll receive a complimentary registration to RBMA 2023 Paradigm and up to $1,000 in reimbursed travel expenses. So it's a great opportunity for emerging radiology leaders to experience the value of RBMA and its membership by attending the leading conference for radiology professionals. Applications are due by February 10th. So pass that on. Let's, let's get some new and emerging leaders at Paradigm. Thanks very much, everyone, for attending today's program. We look forward to seeing you throughout the rest of 2023. Hopefully you learned a lot today. Our uh, next episode is on February the 23rd, so mark your calendars. In the meantime, please consider volunteering with RBMA, and be sure you're registered for 2023 Paradigm. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great day. Uh, we're going to a uh, little tribute to uh, David Crosby. Uh, David Crosby today. Rest in peace, David. He was the man in the cape back in the 60s. Uh, David Crosby's no longer with us. Have a great day, everyone. See you on the next time. It's a love.